Hey, it's Bethany here with Dialed In. I'm so happy that you're listening today. Before we hop into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a new resource for this new decade. It is the Action Takers Resource Guide. So I know from experience that it can be so hard to know where to start. When you're thinking about making a change in your life, you know it's going to be uncomfortable and you know that it's going to take some time and dedication. And sometimes there's just so much information out there that it's hard to narrow down and choose a focus. So I've done that for you. In this resource guide, there's a complete list of all different kinds of things and ways for you to start. So here's how I want you to use this. Go to my website, bethanyklim.com. Simply enter your name and email. You get an immediate download of this resource. You can print it out. You can have it on your computer. But it takes you through all different steps to get to know yourself better. There's a list of podcasts that you can get plugged into. There are a huge amount of books here that you can start reading to help change your life. And there's even tools that can help you stay organized, among other things. Now, just pick one area. Just simply pick one area that appeals to you that you think, you know what, I could work this in to my daily routine, or I could work this into my routine two or three days a week. Pick one, get started. I'd love to hear how it goes. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know how you like the resource. And I can't wait to see how this year is amazing for you. All right, we'll get to the episode. Until next time, take action, live big, and enjoy Dialed In. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dialed In. This is a broadcast where we focus on giving you resources with actionable steps that you can implement immediately to help you live your best life. Our guest today is part of the Big Life series. Now, if this is your first time listening, I'm talking with people who are living life in a big way. And when I say big, what I mean is that they are living their life using their gifts and talents and doing things that they love. Our guest today is Jesse Smith. Jesse helps individuals and entrepreneurs share their message by assisting them to master the art of sales. So welcome to Dialed In, Jesse. Hey, thank you for having me. This is awesome. (laughs) So, Prior to hitting the record button, Jesse and I were having a lot of conversation about insecurity, insignificance, not feeling like we're enough, Um, and we just decided that we're going to kind of continue this conversation but hit the record button because I think this is something that everyone deals with but we don't always talk about. So um, Jesse, I'd just like to ask you if you would share a little bit of your journey and what you've done to kind of, um, I don't want to say overcome insignificance or insecurity because I don't know that we ever truly overcome it. We just learn the difference between what we believe and what the truth is. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's well put. Um, so yeah, I guess a little bit backstory on me. I, I'm from a, uh, a small town. Some people would say that they would argue that that reference, but Superior, Wisconsin, and and uh, and you know I come from a uh, you know middle class uh, 
lower middle class family. My my dad worked for the city of Duluth, and uh, as a park maintenance forester, I watched him have the same job his entire career. He never ch- changed a job. My mom was a LPN for a while. Um, she would uh, she always used to tell me low, LPN meant lowest paid nurse. But uh, she was an LPN on PEDS for uh, a number of years. Uh, but in 1991, uh, our family got into a car accident, and it permanently disabled her. Not to the point where she couldn't walk, she couldn't do these things, but she had some ba- major neck and back injuries that gave mm. her bad migraines and caused her to not be able to work. So we kind of we were really a one-income family for you know a majority of my life, and and because of that, um, you know I. Uh, I, you know, didn't, I wasn't in the social circle of school, so to speak. I, I was definitely bullied. I was a band geek to the max. Um, you mm. know, I didn't, I couldn't afford to play the sports and, and do all that kind of stuff. But my grandmother had a saxophone that she let me use. And so that allowed me to get into band. And, and so I, I fell in love with, with, you know, music and, and, uh, but I kind of, you know, in, in, our high school, even in a, you know, junior high and stuff like that, if you weren't in sports, you know, and you were just in band, you were kind of like this, this persona of you were a geek, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, I just, I just didn't fit in. I didn't fit in, but I, I had this, I had this burning passion ever since I was, you know, I, ever since I really can remember of, you know, wanting to do something significant with my life. Like, you know, not that I felt like I was better than anybody, but I felt like, I just wanted to do something of importance. I wanted to, I wanted to make a big splash on the world, but, you know, I fought this, this desire to want to make a big splash with the fact that, you know, couldn't buy a date to save my life. And I couldn't, I couldn't find a way to get people to, you know, even accept me. And that was the other thing is that I wanted to be loved. Um, Those are the two Mm -hmm. driving passions that I really wanted as I just wanted people to think I was good enough, wanted people to accept me, I wanted people to see me as valuable and I, I wanted, I wanted to do something significant. And, and, uh, you know, uh, so I went through high school and, um, you know, kind of, kind of, again, still, still the band geek in high school and everything else like that. But I, I knew that music was something that I wanted to do with my life. And, and so, um, I, I pursued that and, uh, kind of stumbled into dancing a little bit later in life. I had done martial arts, um, you know, uh, in seventh, from seventh grade on up and, um, did martial arts. And, and so, um, I stopped doing that. I needed a different outlet and I just kind of ended up bumping into somebody that, that, uh, that was dancing. And I thought, man, this is cool. And where I live dancing, Mm -hmm. that that wasn't, especially hip hop was not something (laughs) that was, uh, popular. Um, Uh when you would tell people that you were, I was going to do some hip hop dancing, they thought I was in a gang. But, uh, you know, so um, I ended up just, just absolutely loving dance. And, um, and so I, I practiced it. And I, I, I mean, I'd spend on average probably 20, 30 hours a week practicing. And uh, I couldn't afford dance lessons. Um, I couldn't afford studio space. So um, I would go to, I would go to, there would actually be clubs here in town that I didn't drink. So I'd go to the clubs because that was a free studio space. They didn't really charge covers. So I could go and dance um, until two in the morning. And I didn't have a problem getting up at 7am to go to work because I didn't drink. Um, And then Mm -hmm. when I, when I, when I didn't go to the club, I 
learned that Walmart had really nice flooring for dancing. <laughs> and so I would go to the least traffic area during the least traffic of time uh, and practice in Walmart. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I just, that's what I did. I just practiced and practiced and practiced and finally ended up finding myself, you know, um, in, in Hollywood, um, you know, dancing with some really important people. <laughs> I danced with Justin Timberlake. I danced with Rihanna. I danced with, you know, Channing Tatum and the whole Step Up series. But there's this thing that kept burning inside of me is that I wanted to be significant. I wanted to do something significant, and I wanted to be loved. And um, I had to learn that while I was in Hollywood, I was dancing with these big people. People were hitting me up and saying, hey, Jesse, like you finally made it. You're, you're doing something incredible with your life. But what little people, little people know is that that's the exact same time I was battling depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been uh, – there was a point that actually my, my agency called me and said, listen, you're on suspension right now because you keep missing auditions. Because what was going on is I was, I was sleeping until 2.30 in the afternoon, getting up, going to get something to eat, couldn't find the energy or the passion to go to dance class, and I'd be back in my bed by 5.30 in the afternoon. And I was just battling this, I was battling this, this, this emptiness inside of me. And, and part of the reason was, was because I was so focused on what I didn't have. I was so focused on, you know, just not, you know, not looking like this person or not having the exact skill set as that person. Because you can walk into a dance class, you can go to all these auditions, and you could constantly see somebody that was quote-unquote better than you were, quote-unquote further, further along than you were. And it's interesting on how we always compare somebody else's strength to our weakness. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly doing that. I was constantly looking at everybody else's strength. And, and comparing that to my weaknesses and saying, you know, they're better than me or they're, they're more valuable than me or they're going to make it further than me because they have this and they have that, all the while I was ignoring the strengths that I had. And it wasn't until I came back from Hollywood, absolutely failed um, in, in what people would say is the Hollywood term because I came back and didn't make it back out to Hollywood. I came back to help my parents and ended up getting quote unquote stuck here. Um, and I had to go through, I had to go through a long period. I had to sit down with a friend of mine and, you know, um, I actually had battle. I, I battled uh, bouts of, of attempted suicide. And, um, you know, I had to sit down and, and I had a friend um, come to me. It was actually a mentor of mine. And I told him exactly what I'd been dealing with and all the things that I had. And he, you know, and he goes, why do you feel, that the way, feel the way that you feel? And I told him all these things that were wrong with me. And he said something that was really powerful. And he said, okay, you spent the last five minutes telling me what was wrong with you. Because we can do a really good job of blowing up a really short list of problems or weaknesses or shortcomings and make them look like Mm -hmm. an absolute mile long list. Mm -hmm. And he said, and, and he said, I want to, I want to do you a favor. He says, I want you to sit back because I want to tell you all the things 
that are value about you. Mm. And he literally spent for the next 20 minutes telling me all the things that he saw in me that was valuable. Wow. I had spent five minutes to tell him all the things that were broken, all the things that were wrong. But he spent 20 minutes telling me all the things that were valuable about me. And, of course, at the end of it, he goes, and that's just the beginning. And so I think for me, this whole life of significance is realized when you realize that you're significant because of who you were created to be. The significance Mm -hmm. that we have is the fact that we're unique. We're not like everybody else, yet we're trying to compare ourselves to be like everybody else. So because we're not like everybody else, we're insignificant, when in fact that's the very reason why we're significant. Absolutely. I, uh, I saw a quote this last weekend by a speaker that said, someone else's giftedness is not the absence of your own. Ooh. Come on, and I mean, you, could, you can fill in anything in that blank. Someone else's ability, beauty, whatever. And, yeah. and, and, um, but isn't that the truth? And I think it's interesting that you, know, you, you strike a nerve there, Jesse, because we all, everybody, if we're really honest with ourselves, we all struggle with some, some level of insecurity and insignificance. And I know for me, I spent years growing up just looking for ways to prove that I was unworthy by comparing myself to others and telling myself stories about things that I saw. If someone didn't acknowledge my presence, well, of course they didn't because I am not worthy of acknowledgement. And maybe I didn't think that consciously, but subconsciously I just kind of tucked that into my backpack of all my faulty beliefs and then carried it around with me. And, and no matter if there were 25 other things to prove otherwise, I only saw the things that proved my unworthiness. And I, I think that can really um, mess with our ability to live into who we are and it keeps us playing small. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think that every single one of us could, you know, could name one quote-unquote weakness and somebody else could name five strengths or five, you know, five, one thing that's not, that, that might detract value quote-unquote from us or might show a weakness in our performance. And then we could, you know, you can go around and ask two or three people and they could list all list you know, five valuable, you know, traits to yourself versus the one weakness that you have. And I, I, you know, like I said, I think we, we, we have become very good at making, you know, the weakness, the focal point instead of our strength and our value as as our focal point. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think we're, we're constantly, uh, we're constantly taught if you really look at how, you know, what are, again, this isn't me slamming the education system and saying we don't need the education system. I think that there are some things that we need to change. But if you look about it, if you look at it, we're constantly being taught to look at the problem. Mm-hmm. We're constantly being taught to look at where the gaps are, where are the mm-hmm. weaknesses. 
very rarely are you asked to look at what's going well. And so we have this, so we have this, this culture that is constantly telling us that we need to look at our weaknesses and we need to look at our gaps and we need to look at where we fell short. And so that's what we're constantly hearing. You fell short here, you fell short here, you fell short here, you fell short here. And after you hear that, how in the world can you feel like you're significant when all you see or hear is you falling short? Right. And I think that's where, you know, it's really important that, you know, for me, the, you know, I needed somebody else to recognize the significance in me before I ever did. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being willing to listen to their perspective. Because that's the other thing is we're really good. We're really good at being able to discredit everybody else's opinion on us. And that mm-hmm. tape is, you know, when somebody says, hey, you're, um, you know, you're, you're uh, you know, you're, 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 you're valuable here. You're valuable there. Our first response happens to be, well, you don't know everything. You didn't see me last week. You didn't mm-hmm. see where I made a mistake here. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're constantly trying to prove that their valuable point that they see in us is, 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 is wrong. Yeah, I can um I completely relate <laughs> with this entire conversation. So so your friend, your your mentor offered you belief. Basically you borrowed their belief initially, right? So you could move forward. So how how did you go from living in a place of coping by sleeping and feeling so insignificant that you were paralyzed by it to you know, to, to overcoming that, what did you do? I mean, I think the, the, the big thing was, is I had to constantly be, I had to hear a different tape. <laughs> I, you know, I was constantly mm-hmm. hearing my own recordings over and over and over again and taking a look at what I wasn't doing and where I was falling short and all those different things. And uh, that was, that was getting in the way of, you know, me seeing anything else. And so I had to really, what, what I ended up doing is I, I, I took this mentor, his name's Mark, he, he, he spent a lot of significant time with me over the next three to six months. And, um, and we, we, we constantly were talking about where I had value. And he would have me do exercises that, you know, were helping me see where I had value. And for me, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a person of faith. So he was showing me, you know, what the Bible had to say about my value. And, and he was forcing me every day. He'd call me every single day and say, hey, did you read those things that we talked about? Did you, you know, did you do, do your exercises? And, you know, it's amazing when you start hearing a different tape. Mm-hmm. And Tony Robbins talks about it as interrupting a pattern, you know, mm-hmm. interrupting those patterns, those patterns of negativity. When you do that, and it's not going to happen right away. You're not going to, you know, it's 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 not a it's not a magic pill. It's not a quick fix. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, when you have somebody that's relentless about 
helping you see those those you know those uh, you know those valuable points in your life, and 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 they're constantly helping you see what you're doing that's right, what you're doing that's good, what you're doing that is significant. Um, it's amazing how that starts to become a little louder throughout the day. And it's really that is what helped me start to overcome, you know, some of my, my bouts with suicidal thoughts. And because really a lot of those things come from when we feel like there's no point in us being here. And mm-hmm. as he started to show me a, a reason for me being here, those, thought, those thoughts started to become less and less. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that the ticket is being committed to being different. You know, you have to be aware of what you're thinking about, first of all, because I think, at least for me, so much of it was just autopilot. You know, I I was um, raised in a household with amazing and loving parents, but they didn't believe that they were made for big things in life. And I was kind of taught to play small. And they didn't mean to do that. They were just trying to protect me, but that's what I grew up with. And so I chose things that proved that I wasn't worth being having significance, doing something significant, making a difference. I, I chose, well, I was an LPN. <laughs> I chose nursing. I, I got my LPN and then I was an RN. And um, I chose that because, well, there, there will always be sick people. And so then I had a sense of security, even though it really wasn't something that I loved. I just did it because it was safe and, and it kind of fed into my whole belief of playing small. Now, I'm not saying that being a nurse is a small profession. It's not. It's an amazing <laughs> profession. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't it for me. It wasn't my dream end game. Um, and it was just a way for me to play small. And um, I loved caring for people, and it actually led me to my passion. But, um, boy, I had to get through all the stuff in my head before I realized that, that my passion was helping people live big. It, it, um, but I had to work through my level of insignificance and my, my inner battles before I came to that. And I think that a lot of us go through life and we don't even think about what we're thinking about. We're just on autopilot. And if we were taught, if we come from a place where we're taught that we just need to know our boundaries and stay small or, you know, just get a good job and do X, Y, Z because that's what your family does or whatever, then you can just live a life doing that and never questioning that you really have gifts or, or value outside of that even though, you're not satisfied or you're unfulfilled. I hope I'm, I hope I'm making sense here. Um, I think we're, we're all, we all have the ability to do something significant with our lives. And that doesn't mean stage platform, being famous, being a social media influencer. It doesn't mean that it just means fulfilling the desires of your heart. So Jesse, as you've journeyed through this then and you've become aware of your value and, and you kind of dug yourself out of this hole, 
what have you found that that really sets you on fire? What are you doing today? What is your what is your life of significance look like right now? Man, that's a that's a big question. I think you know part of <laughs> part of the thing is is that you know even when I when I was doing music, um, and I you know I I gave the Cliff Notes version of my story, but part of the reason why I did what I did was because you know I. I had a conversation with somebody when I was in high school and they were going through a rough patch and I told them a little bit about my story even back then and how I was pushing through all the rejection and bullying and and they said that my story really inspired them and and you know I had about 2 or 3 weeks later she came to me and said you know um I I really was struggling with thinking that I was worth anything and and that I really wanted to even go she was contemplating dropping out of school and um, because of our conversation it gave her hope to push forward and she was starting to do better in school and I remember feeling like man you know I want my life to be permission for somebody to live theirs and mm-hmm. and I, I think I think that has been really the under underlying fuel and part of the reason why I went through depression and stuff like that is because I was I had this huge vision. I had this huge goal that I wanted to accomplish. And although a big goal is really important, and I I think there's value there, um, what I was not good at is I was not good at looking at the steps that I was taking and the the small wins that I was making as accomplishments at all. So all I felt like is I was – I was falling short of my goal and I was not really living up to what I needed to do. And the only way that I was really going to, you know, be able to make an impact the way that I wanted to make is if I had a, you know, I had a stage like Justin Timberlake and I can impact the millions of people that way. And, and so we, you know, and you, you talk about, you know, your nursing and and all that, those kinds of things. What we fail to see is that sometimes those are the steps that were needed to be taken in order for us to actually get to our big goal. So mm-hmm. as we're looking at them as failures or shortcomings or their hindrances, mm-hmm. you know, that's my, 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 my motto is turning roadblocks into stepping stones. We feel like they're a roadblock when really they're the very thing that are going to help us get to where we want to go, but it's a matter of how you're perceiving it. And so my, my thing right now is ever since I came out of depression, ever since I – ever since I came out of, of, of dealing with all that stuff is, is that my life, I want my life, I want whatever I do in life to help people see the value that they have in themselves and that it doesn't come, first of all, it doesn't come from what you do. Like, you have value. You're significant as a human being. You know, I heard the, 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 the odds of being a human being, the odds of you being here on this planet, being you with the DNA that you have, the makeup that you have, the personality that you have, all those kinds of things, 400 billion to one. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're here is pretty flippin' significant. And yet, we don't realize that. So you know, my whole thing now is that I want people to realize their significance comes from who you are, not what you do. And when you feel like you're already significant, when you realize that you don't have to do something to become valuable, that you already are valuable, the way you live mm-hmm. your life out, the way you approach, you know, your business, your your career, your kids, your your family, your your relationships, everything changes because you realize you don't have to do something to earn it. 
that you already come from a place of having it. It's a place of abundance instead of a place of lack. Right. Instead of, instead of approaching it from a beggar standpoint, you're approaching it from a king's standpoint, a queen's mm-hmm. standpoint. And, and, and so being able to help people see that you're already there value-wise um, so that they can actually live out their purpose and their potential. Um, that's, what, that's what gets me fired up. When I, can, when I can help people realize that truth, there is, there is nothing more exciting for me than that. I love that. You know, in, in my career in nursing, I, uh, I was able to move up to have management positions, and eventually um, I played a corporate role where I would help open up senior living communities, and I traveled all around doing that. And because of my nursing background, I was blessed to be able to spend the final days with many people as they faced the end of their life. In my first few years, it weighed really heavy on me that I would sit with people and they would tell me all the things that they didn't do and how they didn't live big and the things they gave up for fear of criticism or because they knew they had a gift but they didn't let it lead their life because they were afraid of what people would think. And I was really, really saddened by that to the point that I almost left the industry because of that. And then I realized that maybe I could be a voice for those people somehow. And maybe I could live in a way that wouldn't necessarily make up for them not, but to help other people not be on their deathbed (laughs) and saying, I wish I wouldn't have played small. And and Mm -hmm. I wish I would have lived into who I was because I, too, am a person of faith. And I think for me, this is heavy on my heart, and it has been for years. And I think we're very similar that way. And I believe that one day I will be at the feet of God. And when I look at him and he says to me, Bethany, I gave you all of these gifts. I created you in my image to fulfill a great purpose and to give back, what did you do with them? I don't want to have to say that I played small or I was too afraid to believe that I had purpose from him. I want to be all used up. Mm-hmm. And I want other people to be used up too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, that's, I would say that when I was, when I was, uh, when I was running a hearing aid uh, franchise with a friend mm-hmm. of mine, uh, we, you know, we we did have the chance to having conversations with people in the last chapters of their life, and sometimes, you know, um, I would be I would do home visits and visit people in nursing homes and assisted livings, and you know, there was times that I was. The, you know, I needed to be there because it was their last moments and they couldn't hear without their hearing aid. And so mm-hmm. if they had something go wrong with it, I had to go over there and I, need to, I needed to make sure that I, that I, you know, I fixed it so that they could, they could enjoy those last moments with their loved ones. And, and there's many times that I was in conversations with them and 
you know, and I asked them, I would always ask them, you know, what, what's one thing that you would, you know, do differently if you could, you know, and, and, you know, what's the big takeaway or what's the big takeaway that you would tell a young guy like me, you know, how do Mm -hmm. I, how do I live life to the fullest? And I can't tell you how many times, you know, people didn't say, I wish I made more money. They, they, they didn't tell me that they, you know, they, they wish they would have worked more or whatever. They they tell me the regrets of not taking risks, of not trying, of, of not taking steps that they should. And, and, and there's, there's, it's better, you know, I've heard that there's, it's better to live a life with, you know, scunned up knees and, and, and calloused hands because you tried than to have a perfect body because you never had to work a day in your life. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I think that that's 100% true is that, you know, we, we, we need to understand that, that a life of significance is not a life without risk. And mm-hmm. it's in order for you to really live out your potential, in order for you to really be, to have the life that this significance drive inside of you is, is wanting you to live out, you're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to do the things that are scary. You're going to have to do the things that are beyond your comfort zone because that's where those things live. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I, I've, I've had to realize that, that, you know, sometimes when you take risks, yeah, you fall down and you, you skin your knees and you, you, you know, you have a little, you have some painful lessons along the way, but those lessons are what prepare you to really be able to live out the life that you were designed to live and you can't experience it in any other way. Yeah, I love it. I, uh, I typically wrap up the podcast with some teaching points, but I have two pages of notes here of things that we talked about. There's no way um, at this point that I can put this together and condense it into three or five points. So I'm just going to let this podcast speak for itself. But Jesse, I know that there are people out there that want to hear more about this and want to know more about what you're doing and connect with you. Can you um, tell listeners how, how they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I mean, you can find me on on Facebook at uh, you know Jesse Jesse Paul Smith. Um, you can also find that's where you'll find me on Instagram and on LinkedIn as well. Um, there's too many Jesse Smiths out there, so I had to throw in the poll just so people could find me. But you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Jess or uh, Facebook at Jesse Paul Smith. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being transparent and really sharing your journey with us um, in, in, uh, in probably some hard ways. Uh, you know, it's not always easy to talk about our struggles, so I really appreciate your authenticity. Absolutely. It's been an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And Until next time, take action, live big, and stay dialed in.